Well, good morning, everyone. How many of you are old enough to recognize that song? First service, a lot of people did, right? I wasn't sure about this one. I wasn't sure about it. Um, who knows who that song was by? Anybody know? The Birds, that's right. The Birds. I, uh, I thought it was the Beatles, and I was wrong. It's the Birds uh, from the 60s. When I was growing up, my, um, my parents used to always put, when we got in the car, they'd always put it on the oldies station. And so I grew up listening to songs like this and just kind of singing, singing them, but I didn't really pay attention to, to, to the bands or even the content of the songs, quite honestly. Um, that song, uh, you may know this already, but if you listen to the lyrics of the song, it is basically word for word, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one through eight. That is essentially uh, what the song is. That's the lyrics of the song, which so happens to be our text for this morning, right? So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter three. Ecclesiastes three, we are in the third week of our series called Chasing the Wind. We're walking through this Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. I warned you every single week that, uh, you know, it can be a real downer, okay? It can be a real downer. Uh, you've got a guy named Solomon who is kind of looking back on his life and he has a lot of regrets. Um, he's got a lot of, uh, there's a lot of sorrow, a lot of sadness. Um, he is uh, basically finding that a lot of life is kind of pointless, meaningless, purposeless, and he is on a search for meaning. Um, and, and again, it can, it can read and it can be really, really depressing. And so what we find ourselves today, this is maybe because of this song, um, this is arguably the most popular part of Ecclesiastes. If people have any familiarity at all or can remember anything from the book, a lot of times it comes from chapter three, verses one through eight, or, or the verses that we're going to look at, the, that we're going to look at today. Solomon is basically, again, I mentioned this in the first week, that um, Solomon wrote, we know, two other books of the Bible. He wrote uh, Song of Songs or Song of Solomon early uh, in, in his life. Uh, this was a book uh, about romance and intimacy and sexuality written to and about his first wife. Um, and, and then later in life, probably middle of his life, he wrote Proverbs. Um, most of you are somewhat familiar with, with Proverbs or even some of the Proverbs uh, full of a lot of wisdom. Solomon wrote that as well. And then if you, again, are of the opinion that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, um, that most would agree then that it was written as an old man late in life, looking back on his life um, and reflecting on some things. And this is, uh, this is kind of what he's doing right now as he's looking back and he's recognizing various seasons of his life. There's different seasons, some good, some bad, and all in between, right? And what he's going to do in the first eight verses, there's 28 things, 28 opposing things that he's going to say there is a time and a season for. Um, and the idea is that, that these, these are opposites. And so there's a time for these opposites. And, and really, there's also a time for everything in the middle. That's kind of what he is getting at. And he's wanting us to recognize the different seasons of life. And so we'll walk through the first eight verses real quick. And then I'll, um, the first part is really kind of self-explanatory. And we'll talk about a few of them and try to pull out some really big ideas that hopefully we can, we can take with us, all right? Ecclesiastes 3, beginning in verse 1. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. And I know that sometimes we'll read some things in this list that kind of offend our modern sensibilities a little bit. Sometimes we like to look at this list and, and take the good and leave the bad. Or, as I found this week, uh, there is often a tendency, especially among, among more modern uh, 
critics or Bible scholars to kind of explain away all of, the, all of the bad stuff. Like one thing I read this week said that in verse 3, he doesn't really mean kill. Um, he means um, it, it's a time of sickness and then a time of healing. And so I tried to kind of dig a little bit and go, I wonder where he gets that idea from. Me and Austin tried to look up Hebrew words this week, which was comical in and of itself uh, for us to try to figure out what Hebrew means. But what we found is that, that that's, not, that's not present there. There's not a different Hebrew word. It's not like... And so again, I just say that to say there are some tensions in the text. Um, there's things mentioned that sometimes we want to quickly go, well, surely he didn't mean that. Uh, but he, he does. He does mean that, right? He says then in the second part of verse 3, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Verse five, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. And again, this might be one of the ones we look at and go, what in the world does that mean? Um, basically, the idea is that stones can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on kind of what you, what you need or don't need them for. So for example, a time to cast away stones. If a, a farmer was getting ready to, to harvest the, 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 some, the land, he's going he's gonna to till the ground, going to get it ready to plant, uh, stones are an obstacle. You got to get rid of the stones. They would often go through and, and pull out the stones, the boulders, lay them to the side because they're in the way. They're an obstacle uh, of, of progress. They're an obstacle uh, to what the, what the farmer wants to do. So sometimes you got to cast those stones away in order to do um, what you need to do. Other times, though, stones can be helpful. They can be useful. They are a building material. Uh, they can be used for some things. So he's basically just saying, look, there's a time in life to, to get away of remove obstacles so that you can do what you need to do. And then there's a time where those obstacles might just become a resource. Those obstacles might just end up being good things. In other words, he says then a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. This is a this verse describes my wife and I, right? Like time to keep, I'm a keeper. How many keepers, otherwise known as pack rats, do we have in the house, right? I wanna keep everything. I'm like, I can find place for it. We might possibly need that thing one day. And so I wanna keep it. I got, I got storage, my storage rooms have storage rooms. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I wanna keep stuff because we might possibly need that thing one day. My wife is the opposite extreme. If it ain't bolted down, she wants to throw it away, right? Some of you are married to that person, right? You got to guard your stuff. My wife, man, one of the biggest fights we ever got in in our marriage was because I had some uh, sports magazines that were very important to me. She thought I had already read them. Threw them in the trash. We're still married. It's okay. We're good. But uh, we had to have some, some, some conversation about what to throw away and what not to throw, what to keep and what to, uh, what to cast away, right? He says in verse seven, a time to tear and a time to sow. Um, some of you are like, I'm not ever sowing, so I don't know what that means. But basically tear, uh, back then, and even in Middle Eastern countries today, when they would tear their garments, it was either a sign of, of mourning, grief, or it was a sign of repentance. And since he already mentioned a time to weep and a time to mourn, most likely this is a reference to repentance. There's a time to seek uh, repentance, to be broken over your sin. Um, at the same time, there's a time to sow, so that's the word mend, a time to mend. So there's a time to, uh, to weep over your sin, a time to be broken over your sin, a time to seek repentance. Then there's a time to, to mend, to heal, to forgive, to be forgiven, to remember what you were forgiven from, okay? There's a time then, he says, to keep silence and a time to speak. Again, uh, this, uh, sometimes we tend to be people, in my experience, that, that tend to err on either side of this one. 
There are, there are times when um, some people have the opinion or the attitude like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, right? I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not going to say anything, whatever. Um, and, and there's a problem with that sometimes because when people are, are, are um, man, making some really poor choices and, and doing some things, they, they, there's, a, there's a time and a season to speak up. You need to be people who, who speak up. And, and then there's the opposite extreme are people that are always, just always talking, right? They're always like, I'm going to speak my mind. I don't care what people think. And the reality is, biblically, I think both of those extremes can be problematic. But there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. Um, and so knowing, knowing when that is, brings, is is where wisdom is, right? He says a time to love and a time to hate. Again, Christians sometimes go, wait a minute, we should never hate. That can't be what the, what the verse means. To which I always say, if you love God, there are things in this world that you should hate. We should hate the things God hates. And so he doesn't say hate people. But listen, if you love God, you're going to hate the things God hates. So we hate sin. We hate uh, what sin brings. We hate what sin does. We hate injustice. We hate oppression. We hate, there are things in this world that if you love the Lord, that they ought to frustrate you and anger you. And there ought to be sort of a godly kind of anger, frustration, and hatred towards the things that God hates. So there is a time and there is a season for that. He says then a time for war and a time for peace. And again, um, without kind of getting into geopolitical matters and arguing about just war theory and when is it okay to go to war and when is it not okay to go to war? Is it ever okay to go to war? Um, often you find, again, people with two extreme views. You got the people on one side that are like, you know, just you're never going to fix the problem. Just nuke them all, kill them all, destroy them all like war. And, and then you got people on the other side that are like, you know, we should never fight. We should always get along. And, you know, if we just light some incense and do some aromatherapy and grab pinkies and sway and things will be fine, right? And, and um, at the end of the day, I think what Solomon's getting at is there's, there's some balance. And I can certainly tell you that in their day and time, uh, there was times and seasons where uh, they would go off to war and fight these battles. And so um, he's simply just talking about balance in the seasons uh, of life. And so he basically goes through this list, again, 28 things with, that, are, that are sort of opposites and says there's a time and a season for all of it and then everything in between. And again, I want you to picture the old man in the rocking chair looking over his life and all the different various seasons that he has lived through and, and thinking, man, how quickly all of the seasons go by. How quickly all the seasons go by. I think kind of the, the big idea that I came away uh, from after reading this section is this, that, that each season of your life comes with unique challenges and opportunities that you may never have again. Each season of your life comes with unique challenges and opportunities that you may never have again. Some of you... Um, are really good at looking back. You tend to live your life looking back a lot. And, and again, I want to be clear, looking back can be a good thing. In fact, there are some really good, holy, biblical reasons to look back. God, God often would tell his people to, to stop and to remember and to look back and to celebrate his faithfulness and what he has done. A lot of the holidays, feasts, festivals, um, uh, celebrations that they would have as a people were instituted by God. He told his people specifically and exactly what to do. And the purpose was to remember his goodness, to remember his faithfulness, to remember something he had done for them. There's times in the Old Testament where they are, they are walking through um, something God has called them to walk through and God will say, okay, stop. Now set up an altar, set up some memorial stone, set up an Ebenezer. And it was so that future generations can remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. One of the reasons we look back 
is to remember where God's brought us and to remember God's faithfulness. So when we encounter things in the future, we can rest assured God's gonna help us and bring us through something because God has been faithful in the past to do so. Okay, so we, so we look back for that. Sometimes we look back because we just need to learn and grow from mistakes and failures and sins of the past, right? Every one of us has them. So we, we hopefully can look back over things we've done and go, man, I really messed up there. I wanna grow from that, learn from that, and so that I don't make the same mistake in the future. Not only do we learn from our mistakes, we learn from the mistakes of other people. Hopefully we, we, we learn from others that have gone through some things and we can learn, again, I love history and I'm a firm believer that one of the reasons history is important is because if you don't know it, if you don't study it, if we don't learn some of the, from, from history, then what, we're destined to maybe repeat some mistakes of the past. And so there's a reason to look back. Sometimes it's good to look back and just remember fond memories that bring a smile to your face and put some joy in your heart, right? I do that sometimes. Man, there's times where I'll be doing something and I'll just think of something in the past and it just, man, brings a smile to my face, a little joy in my heart. I mentioned last week that my last living grandmother passed away about a year and a half ago. And I, man, I got some really fond memories of my grandparents. And when I was, I think back sometime when I was seven or eight years old and I was fishing in the stock tank on my, my family's little, little farm and driving a tractor with my grandfather and eating uh, dinner at their house. I mean, I just, sometimes you think back to some fond memories and it's, okay, it's good to do that. It's good. They put a, put a smile on your face and you just remember some really good time. There's a reason to look back. At the same time, there's a reason to look forward. Solomon's going to say in, in Proverbs that um, the wise person plans and is prepared for the future. Like it's the foolish person that does no planning and has, is not prepared for anything coming up. Like it's, it's a good biblical idea that sometimes we need, to, we need to look ahead. We need to look ahead. The Bible talks about where there is no vision, the people perish. And so vision is about where we're going. There needs to be somebody asking, hey, where are we headed and how are we going to get there? That's a good thing. It's a good thing. And so there are times we need to look back and it can be good, holy, and biblical to do so. There are times we need to look forward and think about what's coming up and how we're gonna get there, but what Solomon's getting at is, while it's good to remember the past and it's good to be prepared for the future, we need to make sure that we're living today in the season that God has for us, right? We need to make sure we're not missing today and the opportunities and the challenges that God has for us today. And what I think happens so many times is we are often so anxious and ready to, to move on, whatever season we're in, we're ready to move on to the next season that we often can miss what God's doing now, right? So I mentioned this in the first service, like I love the fact that our church, we have some, we have some age diversity that we, we used to not have. Like some of you that were with us in those early days, uh, our average age was like eight years old. Like we were a church run by eight-year-olds. That's what we were, okay? <laughs> Thank you for sticking with us. A lot of people didn't, right? But we were like immature. We didn't know what we didn't know. There wasn't a ton of wisdom. We were just trying to do stuff. And man, we were super young, a lot, just a really young, young church. And by God's grace, we have gotten older and, and there's been some wisdom that's come with that and some stability that's come with that. Um, but when you talk to people from various stages in life, and I'm gonna paint with some broad strokes here. I know this isn't everybody in the room, but there tends to be a proneness, if you will, no matter what season you're in, to sort of want to be to the next season. So you talk to students. We have a lot of students in our church. And what do you hear from students? I am so done with school, right? I'm ready to be done with school. I'm tired of tests. I'm tired of my professor. I'm tired of my, my teacher, whatever. I'm ready to be done. I want to be out of school and done with it. I want to get to the next phase. You talk to single people. 
And a lot of times single people are like, I'm ready, I want to be married. Like I'm ready to be married. I'm ready to find the person that God has for me. And I want to, I want to move into that next season of my life. Or maybe young marrieds that long to, to have children and to have a family. And I want to be clear, these longings are good. There's nothing good or unholy about them. They are good longings from God, God-given desires. Sometimes there's a hurry to get, I want to, I want to hurry, I want to, I want to move to that next phase. Then you meet, you know, parents of infants, and they're ready to get out of that phase, right? They're like, good Lord, if I could stop the middle of the night feedings and all the diapers, and I just, I'm ready to move on from the infant stage, and I want them to be a little bit older, and then they get to be toddlers, or as Austin says, domestic terrorists, right? And you're like, I'm ready for them to not be toddlers anymore. Like, I want to, I want to move on. I want to be able to have a real conversation with them and just have a good relationship with them. And so I'm ready for them to be teenagers. Now, listen, I've got a few teenagers. Y'all, they eat so much food. Our grocery bill is like our house payment right now. They eat multiple lunches, multiple dinners. I don't know where they put it. They're like bottomless little pits. We are going broke in the Jeffrey's house because I have teenagers that won't stop eating, right? And so there's a tendency to go, man, I'm ready for them when they're not teenagers anymore and they're, they're kind of to that next phase. Then you get into college and you're like, I gotta pay for this? Are you kidding me? And so you're ready for them to hurry up and get on with that season and move to the next season. Some of you are like, I'm ready to get my career started. I'm ready for the next phase when I can really get my career going. Others of you are going, I'm ready for the next phase of my career where I, where I make more money or I'm, I'm, I'm climbing that ladder. I'm ready to move on. I'm done with this season. I want to go to the next season. Others of you are like, I'm ready for retirement. I can't wait for retirement. Retirement is going to be awesome. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to have all this stuff. I'm ready to not have to work and I'm ready for the next season. Listen, we can spend our lives constantly, whatever season we're in, doing nothing but like feeling anxiety to get to the next season. And I think what Solomon's getting at is, is we need to make sure that while we look ahead and we're prepared for the future, we don't miss what God has us in right now. I think one of the big lessons, I've said this before, but if we could get to places in our life where we actually realize the best season of my life is the one God has me in right now. The best season of my life is where God has me right now. And and one day, I'm gonna move to the next one when God's ready, when God's ready. And so, We need to live where our feet are, as we say, whatever season God has you in. Now, that being said, I know I'm fully aware that some of you are maybe in some very difficult, troubling, trying, hard, sad seasons right now. And so maybe you're hearing this going, I don't, I don't want to stay in the season I'm in right now. Like I'm, I'm ready to get out of this particular season. And again, that, that is okay. That is, that is a longing. Look where, look where he goes next. I want to look at a few things in the next section. Verse nine. He says, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. Look what he says in 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time, followed by this statement. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I love that he puts these two ideas together. The idea that God makes everything beautiful in its time, followed with and attached to it is the idea that God has put eternity into our hearts. Because I know some of you that are going through some really difficult, trying, hard stuff right now are going, I don't see any beauty in this. How can this be beautiful? I don't see any beauty in it. And and I'm not, I don't want to sugarcoat it. it. It may not be anything about what you're going through that's beautiful. There may not be any beauty in it at all, but here's this great promise. And that is that the seasons of this life under the sun 
on this earth are not all there is. The seasons of this life, the seasons under the sun are not all that there is. God has put eternity into our hearts. And one day eternity and the seasons of eternity aren't going to look like the seasons under the sun. All of the negative, all of the time to, to weep and to mourn and to, and, and to tear and to cast away, all these things, those aren't a part of eternity. And so maybe if you're in a difficult season right now, I hope you can find some hope in the fact that the seasons of this life are temporary and that there are, man, there's more than, than meets the eye. There's more to this life than this life, if you will. The fact that God has put eternity in our hearts and that's the reason, man, that we experience so much hurt and brokenness. I, I mentioned this like at a funeral. Man, if you're at a funeral, I don't care, I don't care what funeral you're at. Any funeral you're, you're at, there's mourning. There's sadness, right? There's something inside of all of us at a funeral that just sort of screams, this isn't right. Like this isn't the way that it should be. And you know why we feel that way? Because it isn't right and it's not the way that it's supposed to be. That's not the way God made it. God, God didn't make us to be temporal beings. God made us to be eternal beings and he put eternity in our hearts. It's the reason we hate death so much. It's the reason death is uncomfortable to even talk about. It's the reason we push death away from us as far as we possibly can. It's the reason we exercise and eat stuff like salad, right? Like we don't, we don't wanna die. We're gonna like keep that away as far in the future as possible. I don't wanna think about it. I don't wanna dwell on it because we weren't made for death. We were made for life. We were made for eternal life. We are eternal beings. And so if you're going through a difficult or trying season right now and you're going, I don't see any beauty in it at all, there may not be any beauty in it at all. There may not be. But the hope that we cling to is that the seasons of this life are not all there is, that there is more to come and that one day God will, by his grace, make everything beautiful in its time, all right? In verses 12 and 13, we'll move on. Solomon seems to come to some, uh, some more positive acknowledgements. Here's what he says in verse 12. He says, I perceive then that there is nothing better for them, mankind, than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. And so it seems like Solomon... Again, looking back on his life and, and all of his endeavors and all the stuff, all the ebbs and flows, all the seasons of his life, the good and the bad, he sort of sits back and at least comes to this conclusion that life is a gift that should not be taken for granted. That seems to be a, an acknowledgement, at least. Look, at the end of the day, life is a gift. You and I, we have no, long, uh, no idea how long our days are going to be. We're not promised tomorrow. We have no idea the heartbeat in our chest and the breath in our lungs. We, we don't know how long we have. And so he's saying, look, what, you know, what are we doing with the life that God's given us? Life is a gift from God. Life is a gift. I hope that you see life as a gift. It seems to be just kind of a simple, now I know some would look at that and go, man, the danger in some of these verses is that some people will sort of read verses like that and almost use them as a license or an excuse to live recklessly or live crazy or to live it up, right? Some people will go, oh, well, seems like we should just, you know, eat and drink and be merry. Tomorrow we die. Who cares what happens? Just live life to the full. And people will use this as an excuse to sort of live foolishly and recklessly. Um, and again, I guess there is that danger. There are people that certainly do that. In my experience, however, in church life, my whole life, 
I think a lot of us are more prone to the opposite extreme, and that is that we just take ourselves maybe a little too seriously, right? That we don't know how to lighten up, have fun, enjoy life, enjoy the life that God has given us. Again, that we, we see everything as a reason to freak out, you know? Everything is a reason for stress. There's always a problem on the horizon. And so, you know, people like that, that are just always stressed out and always anxious, what happens? They can't really enjoy life. They can't enjoy the season they're in because there's always something to be anxious and stressed about. And then they're frustrated when you don't join them in their anxiety and their stress, right? It happens all the time. And so I think it's just a, uh, listen, just a lesson from Solomon. If I could just, as your pastor, just give you something positive and encouraging. It's okay to enjoy your life. It's okay to enjoy life. Enjoy the season you're in, enjoy life, um, take pleasure and joy in, in, in the work that God has given your hands to do. Eat, drink, uh, celebrate, because again, life is a vapor. Life is like chasing after the wind. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow, we're not promised tomorrow, so at least there's an acknowledgement that life is a gift, and it's okay for you and I to enjoy it. It's okay to enjoy it. And then finally, uh, he ends with one other idea, verse 14. He says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. People fear before him. So I want to just end by talking about this, this idea. I think Solomon, again, looking back over his life, here's kind of the big idea. That a life lived well is a life lived with a proper fear of God, no matter what season you're in. A life lived well is a life lived with a proper fear of the Lord, fear of God, no matter what season you're in. Again, this idea of the fear of the Lord is kind of a a theme, if you will, that is all through Scripture, that you and I should live our lives with a proper fear of God. Um, We should walk in, the Bible says, a fear of the Lord. And so some people are confused by fear of the Lord because if you're really afraid of something, you don't tend to run to that thing, you tend to run from that thing, right? And so the idea of the fear of God is sort of multi-layered. That yes, there is this one sense where Solomon's going, look, you should live your life in light of the fact that there is a sovereign God in the equation and that one day you and I are going to stand before a sovereign God and give an account. And knowing that truth, living with that sort of fear of God, it should impact the way you live your life. Like living with a proper fear of God. Solomon's actually going to say that in Proverbs as you begin Proverbs in chapter 1, verse 7. He's going to say, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and a fool despises wisdom and instruction. And so he's going to say, look, if you want to live a good life, you need to live your life with a proper fear of God. That there's a God to which you're going to give an account, Okay. But here's the thing, when it comes to the fear of the Lord, and again, there's a fear and there's a trembling, but there's also like a reverence and an awe and a respect for the Lord. But what I wanted to end with is this this idea that Solomon, he, he just got to see a part of the picture. He didn't get to see, as our friend Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story, right? And again, in the first service, everybody got the Paul Harvey reference. I, I don't know if many of you in this service know who that is, right? But, you know, look him up. It was awesome. The rest of the story. And so what we see is uh, Solomon's writing and saying, look, if you will live your life with a proper fear of God, a proper fear of God, your life's just going to go better. Now, again, it's not a health and wealth. It's not a, if you live with fear of God, all your problems are going away. Um, all, your, God's going to make you healthy and wealthy and you're never going to have an issue. And like, that's not, that's not the idea. But the idea is that if you live with um, a respect, an awe, a fear, a reverence, 
loving God, worshiping God, that ultimately you're going to have more joy and more peace in life than if you choose not to. But where Solomon only saw the first part of the story is the fear of God, um, what we see later in, in the gospel is that the same God that is worthy of our fear and our trembling is also a God of unbelievable and indescribable love. And the idea that sin is the problem, sin is the great problem. And again, I mentioned last week, um, Solomon recognized the problem, but he didn't have a solution. But God recognized the problem and came running with a solution. That sin separates us from God. The loving relationship that God wants to have with mankind, sin becomes the great obstacle to that. And so something has to take care of the sin problem. Something has to remove the sin problem. And that's why God sends Jesus. Jesus comes to earth and he lives a sinless, perfect life that you and I cannot live. And he ultimately goes to a cross where he dies. He gives up his life on the cross to pay for our sin. What he's doing at the cross is he's removing the sin problem and restoring the relationship with God. So yes, God is worthy of our fear, our awe, our respect, our trembling. There is a reverence before God. But listen, this same God is also a God of unbelievable and indescribable love because of what he does for us in Christ so that we don't run from that kind of God. Instead, we run to that kind of God, right? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And so our invitation to you today, and I know we're all in different seasons and we're all in different places, and so maybe what you need to hear today is different for every single person. Some of you simply need to recognize the season that God has you in and stop trying to just hurry and get to the next one, but be where your feet are and live into the season God has you in with unique challenges and opportunities right now. And others of you that are going through difficult and trying seasons, maybe you need to remember that, man, the seasons of this life under the sun are not all there is. That one day, God's gonna make everything beautiful in his time. And you can cling to that hope. Cling to that hope. And others of you, man, you've just been taking life a little for granted. You know, you've just been kind of stressed out, anxious, worried about every single thing that comes up. And you, need to ha- you just need to hear today, man, God gives you life. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the life that God has given you. Have some fun. It's okay. It's okay. And others of you, man, you need to just remember the fear of the Lord. To live a life, walk in the fear of the Lord. And then our invitation is this. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus to do so today. Don't put off to tomorrow what you could do today. And again, Jesus isn't gonna just like, knowing Christ isn't gonna mean all your problems magically go away. We don't preach that. We don't believe that that is some biblical idea. But I can promise you, you'll have more hope and more joy and more peace than you've ever known. That Jesus, despite your best efforts, you can't remove the sin problem. Only Jesus can do that. So you place your faith in Christ. He removes the sin the guilt, the shame, and restores your relationship with a holy and loving God. And so today, we're gonna respond. I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna respond. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. So let's pray together, and then we'll talk about how we respond together. Father, we are grateful today for the fact that you give us life. Father, that you breathe breathe life into us, and that we are here today um, solely by your good grace. I pray, Father, today that we would recognize life as a good gift from you, that we would not take life for granted, that we would not waste our days. So, Father, we are grateful today for so many things. We're grateful for the different seasons of life. We're grateful, God, help us to be grateful for the season that we're in right now. And Lord, I know that's hard to do when we're going through a particularly difficult and trying season. 
So we'll pray for those that are in this room today that are going through a, a tough, hard, maybe sorrowful and sad season of life that, God, that you would just be very present and be very evident that you would give them a lot of grace in this particular season. Father, most of all, I pray that we would remember to live our lives and walk in the fear of the Lord, that that truth might change the way we live and the choices we make. God, we we thank you today for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you went to a cross and you died on the cross in our place for our sin, that you removed the sin, you removed the barrier. So I pray for anyone here today that has never placed their faith in you and the finished work of Christ, that today might be a day they do that. We pray all these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.